Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm Mike Siegel, still fighting a cold. I'm feeling pretty good, but this is ridiculous. I don't know what's going around the country. Some kind of crazy Ebola virus. We should all be wearing hazmat suits. People are filthy. Half the people I know are uh, sick or just getting over something. It's crazy. Uh, be careful out there, folks. That's all I'm saying. For those traveling, try to uh, wash your hands regularly. Um, don't breathe on people. Don't cough on people. Don't be that guy on the plane. Please. Coughing on my neck. Can't stand it. But uh, I uh, was sick. Thought I had it beat. Four days hanging around the house. Felt fantastic. Finally, uh, Friday night, had to go out, get out of the house, let's have a few drinks, went out, and uh, two margaritas and some sleep later, woke up sick again. Don't trust happiness is what I'm saying. Be careful out there, a lot of bad stuff going around, but I'm feeling better, and I want to feel better because I will be on the road next week. Uh, For those of you in the Chicago area... I am heading back home, uh, performing at my home club, Zany's Comedy Club, downtown on Wells Street. Great little club. It only seats about 150 people, sells out early, so I will be there Wednesday, uh, January 30th through February 2nd, Saturday. One show Friday, one show Thursday, two on Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. One show Wednesday, one Thursday, two on Friday, and three, three on Saturday. And uh, it's going to be great. And I'm going to see a lot of friends uh, who are coming out to the show. Already said they're, they're coming out and some family is going to be coming out. It's going to be great. And you can see me uh, blow some dust off some old jokes and, <laughs> and bring some new jokes to you. But back to the travel. Uh, if you want to write me, my email is mike at traveltalespodcast.com. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you can click on our iTunes link. Find us on iTunes. And if you're going to be on iTunes, hey, why not give us a nice rating? That uh, boosts our presence, helps people find the show. So that's always a good thing, and it costs you nothing. So if you're on iTunes, why not throw us a good rating and even say us a a nice thing or two? That'd That'd be great. And what else? We are on Stitcher Radio. If you're a fan of the Stitcher Radio, you can find us on that. And Twitter. We are at Twitter at Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. See, right there, my voice cracked a little. Still, I got to beat this cold thing. My guest today is Brett Snyder, otherwise known as the Cranky Flyer. Really nice guy. Uh, got a chance to meet him at the uh, travel uh, convention down in Long Beach, the Travel and Leisure Convention down in Long Beach which was a pretty interesting experience. He was giving a uh, a lecture on uh, travel apps and uh, agreed to do the show, and I'm glad he did. Really nice guy. And uh, let's meet him, huh? Here is Brett Snyder, the Cranky Flyer, and this is the Travel Tales Podcast. Enjoy. See you in Chicago. Leaving home out on the road I've been down before Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with Brett Snyder, otherwise known as the Cranky Flyer. 
How are you, Brett? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I like the big cushy chair. It's nice and (laughs) just relax. It's all about your comfort. Well, that's a first class chair. So clearly, you work for an airline if you think it's all about my comfort. (laughs) It is all. Well, first of all, uh, the the website is is uh, the Cranky Flyer. Talk about uh, why you started it and how long it's been going on. Sure. So Cranky Flyer, I started it. uh, It was back in '06. So it's been. About six and a half years now. Oh, which, wow. uh, You're sounds, an old man of the blogging I know, world, yeah, right? I mean, it sounds insane. <laughs> the when I think about that. That's a lot. It's a lot of posting. Um, <laughs> over a thousand posts in that time, but um, yeah, it's a lot. So uh, anyway, um, it was started actually because I was working for uh, a company here in, in LA called PriceGrabber.com. They do shopping comparison. Okay, and I was um, I was doing their uh, travel search site. They asked me to start one, kind of like a kayak type of thing way back then. And um, when I started it, we had discussion forums. And so I started putting some things on there to see the discussions, get people talking. And finally, a friend came up to me and said, hey, man, you have way too much stupid random knowledge. Somebody's going to care about this. You should probably put this in some form that would be you know easier for people to participate in. So I created the blog. They kind of pushed me and Created the blog and it's just been writing ever since. Was the purpose of it, um, I mean, the, when you hear Cranky Flyer, you think, oh, this is an angry guy bitching about the airlines. Yeah, so it's it's actually not, which is kind of funny because <laughs> people assume that. I get a lot of emails like, oh, you won't believe what this airline did to me. And I think they're probably surprised when I respond and say, actually, no, that makes sense. This is why they did that. Um, <laughs> that you're not this receptacle for bad things right. about the airlines. Well, my background is in the airlines. So I, I did pricing. I was one of those guys that did airline pricing. That, okay. you know, people hate you for that. <laughs> I try not to let people know that it actually does involve dartboards. It's all just, we have no <laughs> just idea. Just random. We have no idea. Ping pong balls in a, in a little thing. You oh, pick yeah, them out. Oh, man. It's like the big spin. You know, just, <laughs> this is it. We'll go with this. No, I mean, it, it is really complex uh, and, you know, hard to explain to someone like, well, why was this this price yesterday and now it's this price? Oh, God. Okay. I could, I could tell you, but you, you'll fall asleep by the time I'm done. Um, but one of the things, that I really, I guess this has really morphed into is the fact that I hate that airlines are generally really bad at communication. Uh, They're bad at explaining why they do things. Uh, They're bad at explaining when something goes wrong, what's happening. That I agree. I mean, there's sort of this, this belief that what people don't know, it's better if they don't know, you know, like, oh, well, we don't want to tell them that this engine's broken. It'll scare them. Or, you know, we don't want to tell them that there's bad weather, uh, and we're delayed because maybe it'll change and maybe we'll leave earlier. Just tell people. Yeah, like, just to realize that not knowing makes people angrier. Exactly. And, and then their their imagination is 10 times worse than what's really happening. Well, that is true for sure. They think there's like, you know, a little gremlin on the wing or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in general, you know, let people be responsible for their own actions. And and that that's kind of the other half of the problem is people have absurd expectations, right? So if you tell someone, okay, guys, there's a weather delay, we're supposed to leave in two hours now. However, if things change, we could leave earlier. This happens in San Francisco all the time, right? The fog's there. It picks up. Hooray, come on in. <laughs> the problem is is that people then just assume it's two hours, don't pay attention to the rest. They show up, find their flights gone, and then cuss and swear at the airline and say, you're horrible people. You've completely screwed me, and now you have to get me there. And so, <laughs> right. so there's this delicate balance, right, where – 
yeah, it's better if you tell people something, but people have to also not be dumbasses. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so this is sort of my, my effort to kind of try and bridge the two was the way I started it. So when airlines do things, I write about it and say, all right, this is why they do it. So it's, it's a little more insidery, but I try and use more of a plain language because um, the airlines have crazy acronyms and all kinds of things that make no sense to normal people. So I try to use plain language to explain this is why they do it and here's kind of how it happens. And that sort of helps to you know, get a better flow of information, I think. So you say you have a background in, in airlines. What, what, what was your background? Okay. So, well, when I was a kid, believe it or not, when I was 12, I was a travel agent. Wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> I was in Little League at 12. And yeah. you, were, you were booking flights at 12? Yeah, I have no sports skill at all. So that was. That <laughs> Did was this my get sport. you beat up at all, maybe, on the playground? No, you'd think it would have, right? <laughs> it, it really didn't, though. Was there uh, wedgies I, involved in this uh, field of work? <laughs> there, only a couple. It, was, it really it was funny, actually. I was with my parents, and uh, I grew up in the Valley. Uh, San Fernando okay. Valley, and we were driving to the donut shop, and right across the street there was this travel agency, and it had a big thing on the on the windows and travel school, you know, only I don't know a couple hundred dollars, whatever it was. And I had always been one of the kids growing up where I collected timetables. If anyone was flying out of LAX, I go go to the airport and make my parents stop at every terminal so I could go get their timetables. <laughs> oh, really? And then I forced my brother to take trips and I'd plan them for him, right? <laughs> so it was, yeah, my brother hated me a little bit. There. <laughs> Did you live in the shadow? Were you by Burbank Airport? Up there? No, no, we were out on the side. When I was really young, I was in Northridge, and then we moved out to okay. Hills, Calabasas area. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so I wasn't in the, uh, you know, in the direct. Approach right, the flight path. path. Um, I mean, sure, they were flying overhead, though. <laughs> uh, but I just, I don't know where this came from. No no background in my family. No one loves airlines. No one works in the airlines. Um, it just, for whatever reason, just kind of grabbed me when I was a little kid. But there's something about planes and the flight and itself. Did you ever want to be a pilot? I never like that? did. That's always a question people ask me. I mean, I, I've always thought, you know, it'd be fun to be just a casual private pilot or something. But to be honest, that is a life I could never live as a commercial pilot. Really? Why you're, not? You're on the road all the time, um, you know, punctuated with a, a few breaks here and there. Well, but you're on the road a lot. Uh, I'm not as much as people think, actually. Not nearly as much as people would think. Um, I just don't like that. I also don't, you know, if you're a pilot, you don't even know what city you're in half the time. You're just, <laughs> it's it's just, it's the job, you know, you get there and it's, um, I'm much more, I'd much rather have a routine where, you know, I can kind of live my life. You want a life? Home and yeah, family oh, and whatever. Around. Yeah, I know. You and your I'm life. I. But so <laughs> it never interested me. I, I'm much, it's funny. There are a lot of people that are, you know, flight dorks that, that love the flying aspect of it. I'm really kind of the, I'm a business dork, like an airline industry dork, because it's such a crazy complex industry um, that it, I just, I really love the whole complexity of it. And the fact that you are moving people all over the world, you know, incredible logistics and everything, um, and that you can do it for what is is really a pretty cheap price for people. You Did know. you ever look into like an air traffic controller? What do they make? I, What's they, that gig like? That seems like a high pressure stress thing. Oh, it is high pressure. People people don't last there forever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I never, I mean, there are actually simulations you can play online. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to say I haven't done that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. That was something to me that it's always been interesting to me. Like I thought that actually was because it is sort of a logistical game, right? Absolutely. Um, that that was interesting. But I don't know. For some reason, it just never... Uh, you get you work for the government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know. it just never really grabbed me. I, 
So and, go back to being a 12 year old. Right, kid. right. So I, I convinced my parents to walk me in there and, um, <laughs> And they were like, no, seriously. <laughs> uh, and they you know, took the, you on? It wasn't an age requirement? Well, that, so that's what happened. They kind of looked at it and they're like, I guess there's no age requirement. And, <laughs> and then they, they, you know, by the end of the class, I was teaching some of the other people how to read flight schedules and stuff. Because I, I, you know, I get all the timetables. I already know what's going on. And at the end, they were like, well, look, you want to come on and be an independent contractor? Effectively, I was booking for family and friends. I'd come in, you know, after school. My we didn't live far. My parents would drive me in and you know, I'd book flights for us or for friends or whatever it was. And, and that was my, my beginning in the industry. So <laughs> I guess it's no different than a kid who's like obsessed over baseball stats or something like that, you know, it's just yeah. like, or like where it's music or whatever it is. It's somebody, you just have your thing you lock onto and then you dork out on it. Yeah. You just, <laughs> you, you find some way to get involved. Right, right, and, right. right. And so that was my way in. I did that into high school. And, uh, so this was like pre-internet days. Oh yeah. yeah so, yeah. I mean, were you doing all this on the phone? I mean, what did no, these airlines think of like chatting with a 12 year old on well, the phone? Yeah, well, first of all, they always thought I was a woman. <laughs> that was, <laughs> every time it was ma'am this, you know, for sure. But I mean, a lot and then of then puberty hit. And it, you're like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they really, it was like the, the uh, Peter Brady you know, <laughs> cracking voice. I'd like to book a flight to Tulsa. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, honestly, most of it we still did in computers because it was pre-internet, but the airlines have been automated for years. Um, I mean, the first uh, reservation systems were coming out, you know, 60s, 70s. Travel agencies started getting them into the 80s is when they really started rolling out a lot. So there were, you know, everything was automated at that point, but you still did need to talk to the airlines a lot. I would just call them up. I mean, it, you know. It was pretty straightforward stuff. I, I generally wasn't doing anything super complex or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but um, but now, like, I always wonder now when I see a travel agency, it's almost like cute. They're like, oh, that's quaint. Remember those? <laughs> well, Remember that travel agent? Remember I'm, those? It, it's funny now because, I mean, that's what Cranky Flyer sort of morphed into with Cranky Concierge is um, in booking flights and handling these types of things. And part of that is being a travel agent. And I think what happened was in the in the 90s when the airlines started just dropping commissions, right? A lot of the mom and pop shops went out of business because they weren't they, they weren't adding much value to people. They were collecting commissions from the airlines, they weren't charging people. And then when they said, "Okay, well now I got to charge you to book a ticket." People were like, "Well, okay, or I can just do it myself on the web." You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. so there the change in technology and the change in commission meant that these guys were were screwed and they either had the choice of, all right, we need to provide more value to make it worth people's while, um, or we need to go under. And when it came to flights, very few people added value. So instead, what you saw is a lot of agencies going toward like cruise specialists or destination specialists. Like, you know, if you're going to Turkey, like this is the guy. Yeah. He knows or, or African safari people. Right. That's them. You know. Right. And so for them, they've made a great living, right? Um and now we've gotten to the point where travel agencies are sort of making a rebound. They Everyone had said they were dead, but now they're kind of coming back because things have gotten so complex. There's so many websites you can go to. There's all this stuff. People say, you know what? You just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it's worth it. It's not worth my time. I'll pay you. Just deal. And also, I think they make their – I think their bread and butter has got to be corporate business because, I mean, Some. when I would fly for uh, the network and stuff like that, they would handle – they would just off, you know – Cite all their travels. This is our travel person. Yeah, and they yeah. would book all the flights, and they would. I would deal with them. That's true, that, and that's a lot. You know, guys like American Express or Carlson, or you know, some of these really big monster agencies that do that. Um, you know, they're they're kind of good and bad because it's it's good because the 
the company doesn't have to deal with it. But these guys also, I mean, they, you know, pay a fair bit to use these guys, but, um, you know, they'll create policies and, and th- a lot of this is just the way that the companies set it up. Like, well, we have travel policies. This is who you fly. And if you don't, you have to fill this form out and triplicate to, you know, like y- you might find something that's a thousand dollars cheaper, but it's such a pain in the ass. You're not going to bother justifying right. <laughs> it. Um, so you don't book through the corporate tool and, you know, it's not that creative and it's, it's just sort of, um, uh, but you know, they're great at reporting. Yeah. And they can they can give you all the stats and they can you know they know the ins and outs if there's a real problem that you know they can fight something for you but um yeah, it's one of those kind of things which you know with the concierge business, we started out as being more just kind of individuals, and we've moved a lot into small business um you know companies that used to just have everyone internally book their own stuff and now they have us do it for them. They don't care about the reporting piece. It's not the big automation piece as much, but we can find them really good deals and things like that. Um, so there are a lot of different niches where you can you can make a living if you can provide value somehow. So you're working at the airlines and uh, 2001, 9-11 happens. Mm. Where were you and, and what? Uh, how did your business change overnight? So, that, so at that point, so after college, I went and started working at America West Airlines, which is based in Phoenix at the time. Um, when it was an airline. <laughs> so, what did so, you study in college? Uh, business. Okay. Uh, I was actually, I went to GW in DC, George Washington. Oh, right. Okay. And so I was a marketing major, but then they also had a tourism program. Oh. And so I did a double major with uh, tourism studies, a double concentration, uh, which you kind of could create your own concentration. So they had graduate work with a lot of airline stuff. Um, there's a guy, Daryl Jenkins, who um, has been around the industry forever and he had this program. So I took a lot of those classes and, and that kind of helped a little, but, um, you know, making, started making connections, doing internships, all that kind of stuff. And then I ended up going to America West outside of college. This was in 1999 and, uh, started doing pricing at the airline there. And so I was there until 2002 when I went to grad school. So in 2001, um, you know, I, I was living in Phoenix and, Remember, I got a call early in the morning from a friend who was working for United at Dulles Airport. So, um, you know, kind of one yeah. of the central locations yeah. of this thing here. And he said, "Hey, we're we don't know what's going on. Did some? I mean, do you know anything about this?" And I'm I'm half asleep. Like, you know, what do you what do you mean you don't know what's going on? Like, right. clearly he wasn't high enough, I guess, to get yeah. any information. But so I flip on the TV and see the the World Trade Center on fire. I was like, "Oh, what?" is happening here now at the time there was everything from it's a small private plane to you know it's a big who knows what's going on the first thing i thought was oh crap what if it's one of our planes um and so just kind of jumped up went into the office as quickly as i could and everyone was just sort of huddling around um different speaker phones because they had kind of a a company-wide call on and everything else was just stopped and so what they were saying is, all right, we got to get all our plans on the ground. We got to make sure they're all accounted for and see what's happening. And so everyone's just sitting around the speakerphone, just kind of silent, waiting as they say, okay, this plane just touched down, this plane just touched down. Uh, and finally, when the last plane, America West plane touched down, said everything's accounted for, everyone's safe. There was this huge sigh of relief, like, oh, God, okay. And then half a second later, oh, fuck, yeah, <laughs> what right. just happened? And then, he, then you're watching the TV for the next 12 hours and stunned. I mean, that effectively, I remember, because in, in the pricing department, we sent most people home. I stayed with my 
boss. There were two of us in the pricing group that stayed around and were like, all right, we need policies. What if people were booked? What if people are booked in, in you know three days? We don't know how long the planes are going to be down, when we're going to fly again. We know nothing. So we were there just kind of updating policies, answering questions when they came in from you know the reservations group, like, well, okay, what about something like this corner case? And everyone else just went home in our group because we said, just go be with your family, do whatever. The end of that day, I just remember I was like, oh, God, I just I still hadn't absorbed it because we were just trying to figure out what was going on. And America West was not in the best financial position at that point either. And all of a sudden, we have zero revenue. Right. Uh, I actually have a printout that I took of an old system that it was a reporting system, and I have it framed at home, and it shows our, our Tuesday bookings. And, you know, normally it's, you know, X amount coming in, and then all of a sudden it's negative because all the flights, everything was canceled and people just started canceling. It's like, there's never been a negative booking day in, you know, in any airline. Wow. And, and that was that. And then, you know, I went that night and met a friend at a bar and we just kind of sat there numb, <laughs> just not saying anything, just watching TV, like, Oh God, what's happening next? <laughs> well, I remember, I mean, what, what really, I think back about it. I mean, people remember, yeah, you could always go to the gate, Remember, you could walk your friend oh, yeah. to the gate all the time and yeah. meet them at the gate and uh-huh. all those little things that we forget that, that we used to be able to do and, and you know, keep, keep your, your shoes, shoes on. on. <laughs> keep your shoes on. It's a big... And really, only us and I think Heathrow are the only... Uh, England in the UK are the only places I really have to take my shoes off that much anymore. It's, I mean, it's, not, that, it's not that common around the world. Uh, it's still around. I mean, they all... A lot of them just kind of use the same policies, but then they don't enforce it and they just... Yeah. And that's that's one thing that's so frustrating for people. I mean, even in the U.S., there's for no a while, consistency. Even in the U.S., there was no consistency for a long oh, time. Oh yeah, I'll get frisked at one airport, and right. they'll, they'll confiscate a little bottle of of liquid. Right. And then, but I've just you know cruised through three other airports with that no problem. Right. Well, and so you go back to that first one because you like getting frisked. I yeah. Know. I <laughs> yeah. know how it works. And this but. one makes me take off my belt, and the other one doesn't. Oh, and yeah. This, it's just like there's no well, consistency. And you know, they say that that is planned. They're like, we don't want it to be consistent. We want to keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I really, I, I mean, I actually, it bothers me a lot because they, they say, you know, the, the TSA, they like to say there's several layers. There are layers of this and that. Like, look at all the guns we got last week. Okay, how many of that, how many of those guns are just cowboys who forgot to take it out of their thing or they think they're going to be heroes? And how many of those are actually guns that someone's going to use to bring down an airplane? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> I mean, look at all the plots that the, the TSA or the government has has stopped. They're all stopped because of intelligence in advance. Right. We'll say it's a lot of uh, window dressing. You know, it's a lot it giving the illusion that right. people are safe. They like to say it's the last line of defense. You know, we'll catch them if they've gotten through everything else. But it, if they get through everything else, that's a major intelligence failure. We should be putting all this money <laughs> yeah. into scanners, putting that into funding more intelligence. I mean, that's right. like that's where you're really going to catch the bad guys. But I mean, I. I the thing you'll hear a lot around the industry from people is there are two things that happened after 9-11 that would make sure that that never happens again, that particular instance. Um, one is that they, uh, you know, they, they lock the cockpit door yeah. <laughs> and the pilots won't come out anymore. Like, hey, hello, let me in. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no, that's it. So that's locked. That solves half your problem. And the other half is that before, when an airplane was hijacked, you were going to Cuba because, you know, someone wanted to go to Cuba, and the, the protocol was sit there. 
Now, if someone tries to hijack a plane, he will be dead within five seconds from every passenger around just <laughs> yeah, jumping on this right. guy. You've seen that with everything. Remember the pants guy, his underpants caught on fire? And, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the shoe guy. I mean, it's all people tackling them. Like, you don't, no one's waiting <laughs> anymore and like, okay, we'll be okay if we don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that it's like, okay, <laughs> we're... We're not messing around with this anymore. <laughs> Everyone's different on an airplane today. Well, I do remember also was they, what you don't see anymore or hardly ever is uh, empty seats on flights. True. I mean, I remember I remember flying all the time where you could let be those empty rows in the back well, and you just go you. back there and stretch out <laughs> on you. a red eye. and Go fly Virgin America to Dallas because I just went last weekend and we were maybe two thirds full. Oh, really? Ways. <laughs> okay. Not good for them. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that's bad. But Yeah, for them. So, But hey. they cut back <laughs> so many numbers of flights and when it started flying again, they never put back a lot of those flights. I mean, they... Well, they, I mean, capacity has picked up since 9-11. I mean, yeah, they instantly just slashed capacity yeah. because demand went down so much. But they, they've gotten smarter about it. Um, you know, the, the airline industry is an ego-driven industry historically where, you know, it's, hey, man, look at my plane's bigger than yours. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we got to throw more capacity in there. We're going to win and we're going we're gonna to take more passengers. Oh, right. You just lost a billion dollars. But, <laughs> but we got more planes yeah. and they're shiny. And we got a new paint job. Yeah. Look at our logo. Oh, now you're talking about America yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with their new logo last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, so a lot of the, the industry was like that. And then what's happened is you've seen a lot of consolidation, right? So airlines have merged. Right. And you got guys at the top, except for American, um, that are generally smarter about capacity and saying, look, we, we don't really need to grow nearly as much as we did before. We're not going to play this game like, well, we're going to go, you know, we're going to win in, in this market and we're going to add a bunch of flights. And then everyone just kind of loses. Um, American has people scared because part of their bankruptcy plan was a 20% growth in capacity, which is a lot. <laughs> and people saying, look, man, we're just still barely keeping our heads above water. Right. This is going to be horrible. Um, but, you know, there's a decent chance that the people running American may not be running them in a month. If, you know, all those <laughs> rumors swirling about a U.S. Airways merger, then that could potentially change things. So, so now all these mergers, there's mm-hmm. really only, what, three, five airlines in, in America now? You got American, United, Delta, Southwest, and U.S. Air, I guess. Yeah, and then you got some niche players. You know, you and got, then the smaller, you know, you know... JetBlue, which is... Virgin JetBlue. I mean, they're the I mean, second tier level down, but really... Depending on where you live. I mean, if you're in, if you're in New York or Well, Boston, you're in Long Beach. Yeah, I'm in Long Beach. You're, you're <laughs> Captain JetBlue over there. That's right, but, you know, they still don't have a ton there. But right. Boston and New York, I mean, JetBlue is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it's all regional. You know, I mean, it's U.S., Caribbean type stuff. Yeah. It's not long haul. But yeah, you, you know, U.S. Airways is sort of the, the outlier right now, and... Uh, the expectation is eventually that they're going to merge with someone most likely should be American. If you know, these guys do it right here soon. Well, you're the pricing Um, guy. What does all this mean? And this can't be good for people or can it? Well, so this is always the question. What does it mean to be good for people? Right? Because people (laughs) love back in like in, uh, you know, in 2001 when it was $99 each way to New York. Right. Mm -hmm. But you have airlines that are broke. They're losing money unstable you don't know what's going to happen so yeah people love getting that cheap fare but is it really good for people if your airline is is you know so pressured maybe you know they all they'll all say they never skimp on maintenance but you know if you're broke there are some things you might think about deferring and it it, you know it might not be a true safety issue but when the purse strings are tight you start thinking about all right what can we do to stay afloat right um within 
safety guidelines. But so, you know, I think it's better if you have a healthy industry that is making fair profits. Um, and they, you know, they're making the last couple of years have been pretty good. Um, they're not making crazy outsized profits, but you know, they're making decent profits. They're able to invest back into the airlines. Um, you know, you've seen Delta, which their merger with Northwest was kind of the first of the major, I mean, America West U S airways was a, a smaller precursor, but Delta Northwest was a huge one and they're far enough along now. They've really been investing, you know, redoing the interiors, putting a lot in technology, making it easier, stuff like that, that you just can't do when you're broke. Um, Again, look at America. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, there's a mix. But fares, fares are higher. They have to be. I mean, look at the price of fuel. Yeah. What would you say in the last 10, 15 years is the the best trend in uh, airline travel and the worst trend? Oh, no. 10, 15 years. Huh? So, like, since 9-11, what's been good? Well, yeah, we'll go since 9-11. Since it's, it's like a pre and post era. Uh, I mean, the worst trend is security. We already talked about yeah. that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, so it's funny because I think people will say I'm crazy. It's a good thing we're doing this in the radio and not a place where someone can throw things at me. But <laughs> all these fees are kind of good. Oh, you I, mean the baggage fees? Like, and yeah, all, all, the, all, all these the... kind of fees. It's kind of good. And I know that sounds ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. um, the implementation, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. But the idea of doing it this way makes a lot of sense to me. You mean it, it gives people an idea of what they're paying for? I mean, well, yeah, it makes yeah, it Yeah, you have a menu. You have okay. a menu. So, you know, before... Let's say there's one fare. Granted, there are 10 million fares. But let's say there's one fare, and that includes two checked bags. It includes a meal. Um, it includes a movie or you know whatever it is. Well, if I don't have to check a bag, there's a lot of cost involved with having a baggage system, um, You know, moving bags around, dealing with lost bags, everything Paying else. Paying the handlers. Intake. And... Yeah, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, bag intake. So there's a lot of cost involved with that. Um and, you know, maybe I don't want a meal. Maybe I don't want... You remember people used to complain about how crappy airline meals yeah, were. And, and now then, they complain when they take it away. Right. As soon as they're gone, it's like, oh, I, I miss my meal that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's so funny. Like, you know, people just kind of turn like that. But so now it's like, okay, there's a base fare. And if I need to check a bag, I pay for it. It's an additional service. I pay for it. If I really want to eat, I pay for it. And the fact that you pay for the meal now means the airlines have to make it halfway decent. Um, like, I had a good, on Virgin America this weekend, I had a good, like, roast beef, I don't know, something fancy. They had some description about it, but it was yeah. good. You know, it was like, off oh, It was $15, yeah. but it was good. I, was, I think it was 9 <laughs> okay. I think it was 9 <laughs> yeah. That's not 9 That's not that's, bad. You no, know, yeah. yeah. Plain and stuff like that. Um, but so, you know, I think that is, uh, ha has been a, a, a fairly good thing because otherwise we'd all be paying higher fares. Right. Um, and you see that like with Southwest, they, they have a reputation as being the cheapest guy around, but they're really not anymore. You'll often find the other guys are a lot cheaper. And part of that is because on Southwest, you still get two bags free. Um, you know, you don't pay for that. And so it has to be paid for somehow. What do you think of Southwest? Like, uh, anybody, no assigned seats kind of thing. It doesn't really bug me. Um, it bugs me more now that I have a, a kid and so I have more people that I need seats for, but it still doesn't bug me. Um, I, you know, I think if they, if they like it, that's great. Um, does it make anything faster? I don't, I don't know if it does. They've run a bunch of tests. I mean, they say it does. Um, you know, there are a million different things they say too. Like, uh, you know, all the different airlines have their different schemes of boarding. Like, all right, we're going to do the row, you know, start in the back and move forward, or we're going to do windows first, then middles, then aisles. There's so many different ways. And, 
what I've been told is in the end, it's just kind of, if you just let everyone board at the same time, it's random enough that, you know, people aren't holding you up in the aisle. It's, it's more spread out throughout the airplane and that may be the fastest way. Yeah. So that's kind of what Southwest does is it's random, you know, you just get on and go. Um, yeah. They've tried everything. I've seen these studies of like, okay, if you load people who are sitting at the windows first right, and load the back first and, and, and really what takes the longest is people loading their bag up. You know, and, and trying yeah. to shove everything in the bag and blocking the aisle and right. that kind of thing. And that's why the random way of doing it's better, because then you may have one guy that goes all the way to the back, mm-hmm. and then he's not blocking someone, but, you know, someone else in the middle <laughs> is. But then when he gets out, then, you know, the next person goes back. So the random way kind of works. But um, the other problem, too, is the airlines have so many cutouts that it doesn't matter. I, I flew back on American from Chicago after the holidays. Half the plane, they were elites, right? So they, you know, elite frequent flyers. So half the plane is pre-boarding. You know, with, right, with right. gold and and platinum and and all exec platinum and all this stuff, and it's like, well, okay, that takes away the whole point of having a boarding system because everyone just <laughs> yeah. gets on in the first place. <laughs> so it's kind of goofy, but um, I don't know. But but you know, if we're if we're talking about the best trend, I mean, I, I, the fees probably aren't the best trend. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe it's the um, the increase in ways to keep yourself busy. You mean the video systems and the TV on on the plane, yeah. and that kind of thing, and internet I, and, and internet. Every, I mean, I, I hate I hate that go go having to pay for it kind of thing. But I, so I, I love and I hate internet on an airplane because I don't want to be connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love. There's something nice about that. There you is. Need a I break. love. I, I love TV because like. I mean, you can watch just horrible, like turn on the Game Show Network and watch like a 1975 edition of the newlywed <laughs> yeah. game. Like, I'm never going to do that, right? But or the list of the plane, movies, you know, the movies that you can, you know, uh, when they give you a whole menu of movies, yeah, some classic old movies and then newer ones. Oh and, yeah, I oh, like yeah. that. That I agree. That's great. I um, I I was on BA this summer coming back from London, and you know they had all the Olympic theme stuff, mm-hmm. right? So flying back on BA, they had Chariots of Fire. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, I did that too. Yeah, I'm watch that. <laughs> Great idea. And then they have the absolutely fabulous episode with uh, it's the Olympic episodes. <laughs> they, they have, yeah, I mean they really did it up. They, they want really to make did. sure you knew that the Olympics. Was yeah, there. we get it, London. You have the Olympics. That's right. But you know, if you're BA, wouldn't you jump on it too? Absolutely. So I think that's the best thing though. Is there's a lot more to keep you busy. Like you know, before you. Were, you were like, oh, sweet, there's a movie on this flight. And it's yeah. overhead. <laughs> and you can barely see it. It's like faded out. <laughs> you know, you right, don't even right. know. And then there's some rerun from some sitcom from like three years oh, ago that God, you've already yeah. seen afterwards. And now you can do whatever the fuck you, you can want. Play you can play Tetris. I played Tetris for hours on You those. can. And not only that, if you're on the internet, you can, I mean. Get some can, work done. You can get work done. But, you know, <laughs> you can go play Tetris with some dude in Abu Dhabi. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it does. You can do whatever you want. And, uh. So I think that's great. It kind of takes away from everything else that you know might be difficult for people uh, in the travel experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you, the uh, cranky flyer, ran yeah. an airline, yo, I would not be smart. <laughs> that's a terrible business. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the uh, high on your list of priorities, and what would you cut out, and what would? That's uh, uh, a tough one because <laughs> there's. Certainly, like how you would like to run an airline, and then there's what's economically feasible, right? There's well, sure. You know, I would like to have one seat on every airplane <laughs> and charge a million dollars for well, it. Well, if you can, if you could say pick one airline that exists now and say these guys are doing it right, I like what they're doing. Well, again, see, it's so hard. No, I hate that. I hate when people don't answer questions. But <laughs> the problem is, like, well, it depends on what you're talking about. So, 
if I'm talking about a short trip to Phoenix, right, from from LA, just a, you know, I just want an airline that has a bunch of flights and then it's easy to move between and them. And they're if, on time. If things change. Yeah, I want it on time and I want that. I don't care if I have TV. Like Virgin America, they just announced they're doing LA to Vegas, right? Who, who cares about their TV? I know, it's, and it's their a 45 minute to an hour flight. Right, I don't care. <laughs> I just want you to have alcohol on the plane. <laughs> right. And then I want to get there and get off and go. And like that for me is what matters. Now, if you're talking about a longer flight, then what's on the plane starts to matter more to me. So if I'm flying to New York, yeah, you know, maybe I want a, I want a TV on the plane or, <laughs> you know, maybe I need internet because this is the double-edged sword for me is I need to be connected for my business, um, you know, if people have problems. If it's a five-hour flight, I, I need to be connected a little more. Um, but then when you get to really long haul, right, then you need like something like... Crossing the Pacific. Yeah, you're going over the ocean somewhere. Then it's like, all right, well, who's got it where you know, it's going to be comfortable enough where I can sleep. And, you know, I can, I can lay down if, if you're in business class or, you know, if not that they just have done something, maybe a little more leg room or right. whatever it might be to make it easier. So well, give me your scenarios for the short flight, the right. medium flight and the long haul. So if it's short, I mean, if, if it's a short flight, it's really tough to beat what Southwest does. Yeah, it really is. They have the most frequency in a lot of these markets, the Bay Area, Phoenix, whatever it is, they have really good frequency. Um, you know, while they, they will charge you, you have to pay up to the full fare if you want to change from whatever fare you had originally bought. It's not, I mean, it, you know, it's maybe a couple hundred bucks at most as opposed yeah. to, you know, it's not going to be a thousand bucks on a short flight, right? And so there's the flexibility that's there and you can just go easily and they do it well. You know, it doesn't mean I wouldn't change their fee structure or something, but kind of the basic way to do it, Southwest just makes it hard to fly someone else when you're doing that. Yeah, or their freaking flyer thing. They're not partnered with anybody. And it, it, well, that's true. If you, so I, I consider myself mileage agnostic. I don't care. I ne- that never goes into my decision making, um, which scares a lot of people on like flyer talk. Is that possible? <laughs> Are there people like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a luxury here in LA where a lot of different airlines go to a lot of different places. So. Right. You can kind of pick and choose. Uh, so you're so medium carrier. My, so, my, so if you're my going kinda, to New York. Yeah, if I'm going like, you know, <clears throat> domestic across the country, something like that. Um, you know, Vir- Virgin America has a really nice product, but I, they just have never made money. Like there's no – it drives me up the wall. Like, again, I could <laughs> I could create that airline. <laughs> anyone, <laughs> anyone could make an awesome airline that loses money. Like that's not hard, <laughs> you know. So for that one, I, you kind of have to throw them out for that reason. Oh. Um, I love JetBlue. Um, they have great legroom. I love their TV, but they still don't have internet, which is you know, for a lot of people is, is a real issue. Um, I don't care about first class on a domestic, even if it's five hours, I don't care unless it's a red eye, then it's a little different, right, but right. I hate red eyes anyway. Me too. Um, that's brutal, right? I can't sleep. And, uh, I'm that guy with, I'm that idiot with the, uh, reading light on. Yeah. I'm the one guy up. And then, and, dude, uh, and then you feel like crap the next day. Right, because it's not long enough. No, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I can't really sleep on planes either. So I'm the same yeah, way as you. I, I hate that. So for me, I don't really care about first class, you know, I, but I, I want something that'll keep me busy and I can be a little comfortable. So JetBlue's great with that. They need internet. It's supposed to be coming this year sometime, but, you know, let's get moving yeah. on that. <laughs> uh, but other than that, um, of the big guys, I, I like what Delta's been doing a lot lately. Um, they've really been kind of up in their game in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know where they're not up in their game? Where? Their website. Uh, well, their website sucks. I mean, especially in terms of booking and the frequent flyer. It just... The frequent flyer stuff. Oh, I so hate using me, them for that. For me, I think Delta's frequent flyer stuff is their Achilles heel. They're just... Yes. 
They're not. It's hard to use. It's um, yeah. They have to. Use, they require a lot more miles. It seems than American and United. They can. They can because they have like a three tier system yeah. instead of two. And, and they also sometimes they don't even give you the right information on the website. I mean, it's <laughs> yes. just flat out wrong. <laughs> and they don't do one way awards. I mean, it's yes. very it's much less flexible and um, uh, frustrating to use. Which honestly, when I fly Delta or American, I earn points in Alaska's program. Oh, because they're both partners with Alaska. Right. And so I just earn an Alaska's program and, and do that. Oh, okay. So, um, but Americans is pretty good. Um, but yeah, so I, I agree with you. Delta doesn't do everything perfect, but I feel like their, their onboard experience is better than most right now of the, of the big guys, the really big guys. And if we're talking super long haul. Well, I know what, which one ranks highest all the time. And I've never flown them as much as I've been to Asia is Singapore Airlines. Well, and so I haven't. Have you flown them? I have not. Well, so here's the strangest fact of all is that I've never been to Asia. Come on. I, it's, it's weird. Oh, you've got to get over there. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> you know, it's, it's big. It's, there's a lot to see. I've heard that. <laughs> there, there are a lot of people over there, right? Yeah, yeah, tons of them. It's really weird. I've had, I mean, I haven't even really had trips scheduled. I've been invited to a couple of things. It's kind of funny, though, like the Asian carriers are much more conservative about inviting people. Like, I don't have a huge revenue stream. I, I can't go and buy a ticket to go see an event on an airline over there. It's not like I work for a major mm-hmm. publication, right? Um, Cathay Pacific invited me to come out for some announcement a couple years ago to Hong Kong. They wouldn't tell me what it was, but I was going to go for like a day. And they would only fly me in coach. Ooh. And I was like, you know, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> I'm not going to sit and coach for 15 hours. Oh, man. Be like a zombie. Coach, that's brutal. And the, it, I was like, I just, I, I don't know, stuff like that. I just can't really justify it. <laughs> right. I know it's, it's hard, but, um, but you know, one of these days it's going to come together and I'm going to get over to Asia. It's just for whatever reason it hasn't happened. But, but yeah, Singapore has a great reputation. So does Cathay Pacific, um, especially in the premium cabins. So your favorite carrier that you've been on. That I've been on. Um, for the long haul. For the long haul. Uh, you know, I... It's really tough because there's there are a lot that I like, but I would I'll, can I give you a couple? Sure. I really like what Air New Zealand does. Oh yeah, very niche kind of carrier, right? But they do go to London from here too, and, mm-hmm. and Auckland, and you can go to into you know connect into Australia. They're pretty innovative. They've done some cool stuff on the planes to try and make it more comfortable. Um, like they have their Sky Couch that costs a little bit extra, but it's still Coach and it's more affordable. Their premium economy is totally different than what anyone else has done. Um, they have a great flatbed in business, which is the same thing Virgin Atlantic has, or actually Delta has a very similar bed. Um, so I think they just, in general, do a really good job. Um, for uh, for Europe, I, I know it sounds funny, but I really like British Airways, and I know people think I that's do too. insane. Do you, Why? Do you I don't know. There's like this whole thing, like uh, old BA, and they're ah, you know, but I don't know. I think they do a nice job. They're expensive though. They and, can be. It well, the problem is flying through Heathrow, and so the fees are astronomical. You're not kidding. That's not their fault. That's the short-sighted British government's wow. insane decision to kill economic growth. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, fly elsewhere. We don't want you anymore. And everything goes through Heathrow. I mean, and On it, BA, yeah. And, but, I mean, in so many European flights, either they, something always eventually passes through Heathrow. You're going to go through it at some point. 
It was a good chance. And, and it hopefully is, you didn't last week because it was snowed in and yeah. messed up. But Heathrow was always just the, the zoo. It's yeah. the busiest airport. It is. But Terminal 5 for BA now is so much better than it used to be before that thing was built you mm-hmm. know, a few years back. Then it was truly like a third world country and you're <laughs> sitting in these cramped dark rooms and yeah. you know, no good but but i mean there are others you know like i i, I kind of admire lufthansa for their german efficiency you know like, yeah they're very they do things well like they will get you there you will probably enjoy yourself enough <laughs> you will enjoy yourself as much as is allowed yes. <laughs> and they have really good pretzel. you will have fun now exactly they have really good pretzel rolls mm-hmm. sure give bratten or some kind of bratten yeah, well, I, and that actually, that was one thing about BA. I love those bacon sandwiches. Oh, yeah. It's like the yeah. European bacon. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the fatty, meaty bacon. Like, not, I love our bacon too, but, but is yeah. There, <laughs> is there one airline you say, I got to take this photo? You just look at the tree, you go, oh, not them. <laughs> not them. Uh, what, what airline you see it on your ticket? It just sends a chill right up your spine. You go, oh. I mean, there, there are. It's it's not always airline specific. Like, you know, if if you get on a new airplane on a certain airline, then you, it's great. But if you're on one of the old ones, it's crappy. You know, and I feel like American today still has a lot of the older experiences than mm-hmm. the newer ones. Um, but you know, I don't I don't say, oh God, I'm on American. Um, there it, there were some for a while. Fortunately, like Mexicana, they went out of business. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy about that one. <laughs> I, have, I have no qualms about saying that that airline. I'm so glad it's gone because. What happened to you on that one? Oh God, I hate it. <laughs> uh, there was one. Tr- I mean, I had I had problems with family and stuff, but my my personal experience. I was down in uh, in Cabo, and was flying back, and we got to the airport. Everything was on time. No plane. Everyone's just sitting here. Finally, they show up. Airplane just moseys on in. Right, you know, we're already late. And then they start getting people off the plane. But the, the plane was coming from Mazatlan and then Cabo. And it, this is back. They were like picking people up on the milk run. Right. right. <laughs> and so we get to uh, – they, they get there. They pull people off. They pull their bags off. And there are armed security guards ringing the airplane with guns. We're like, what the hell? <laughs> and they're still pretending like the, the flight's on time. We're like, how is it on time? Like it was supposed to leave an hour ago. You can't, <laughs> you can't keep the charade up. <laughs> they pull all these people off. They rescreen their bags. They make them go through security again. We finally get on. We're several hours late. We get in the air. We're coming to LA, and uh, there, there, no announcements on the flight. No, like, oh, we're sorry about that. Just nothing, you know. And we get toward LA. The weather's bad, um, and we end up having to do a go round, which. That's fine. I'd much rather have a go around than have the alternative, which is not landing right. properly. <laughs> right. uh, but they still don't say anything. And people are getting nervous. And we, we go around again. Uh, we land, finally. I was like, oh, good. And then they park us out in the far corner. You know, like the West End where those remote gates are way on the West End of LAX? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they park us out there. But we're not at a gate. We're just parked there. And you got to take a bus back. and You do, but we're not... The oh, door's not open. We're sitting on the oh, plane. Oh, no. It's that's like, the worst feeling. It's like feeling. midnight now or one in the morning. And we're like, what is going on? Now, remember, the airplane was just surrounded by armed guards. We're like, <laughs> did they bring us out here to, to detonate the bomb? Like, make sure <laughs> no. no one else gets hurt? Why are we sitting out here? You know, oh. We sat there for an hour on this hot plane. No announcements. It's the only time in my life I've ever gotten close to popping the emergency exit. <laughs> honestly. I, I honestly, like, no communication. I was like... 
I, 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 I'm really thinking about doing this. Oh. And people were really starting to think about it because nothing was being said. They finally, um, they started spooling up the engines again. We're like, oh, God, where are we going now? And they took us to a different remote area. Finally said, that gate was broken. We had to move. And that's all they said. After an hour. <laughs> they open it up. Then we get on the bus and we make our way, whatever. So I, I wrote a letter to him saying, you know, this was pretty awful. There were a lot of problems. You didn't say anything to anyone. And you get the response. You, you'll have a response from us within 10 days. Never heard a response. Oh. Um, and I just, I mean, that kind of across the board lack of communication combined with the problems I know that other people have had as well. I just would not fly that airline again, but they're gone, so we're good. <laughs> What's your opinion on this new um, this uh, Boeing, this Dreamliner's having all these problems? Yeah, it's a mess, huh? Oh, look, it, it'll get worked out. Right, they'll figure it out. Every plane has teething problems. Um, <laughs> people don't really remember it. I, I wrote about this earlier. It was last week. Um, you know, the seven forty seven had a bunch of problems, especially with its engines. The early engines were pretty unreliable. In fact, the inaugural flight, it was on Pan Am from JFK to London. Um, plane broke. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had to scrap it. And the only reason, it was delayed like four or five hours, something like that. The only reason it wasn't delayed longer is because they had another plane that was there they could bring into service. But yeah, there were a lot of reliability problems. Even the A380, that's a more recent one. People yeah, seem to have already been on that forgotten. Yet. I've the been big, on it. It's, the, it's big, a, the big one. It's a big ass airplane. Yeah. But it had a bunch of problems when it started too. Um, people forget that stuff when it becomes reliable. Do you so, like it? What's the uh, which one? The A380, yeah, the 787, the A380. You know, it's just, it's a monster. Um, <laughs> no, it's I fine. saw one on the tarmac and I went, "Wow!" Just looking at it, it's funny because you look at the nose and uh, and compared to a 747, right? Like the upper deck on the 747 is up top, so it looks kind of it looks right. It looks you mm-hmm. know, big and cool and menacing. The A380, it's down. It kind of looks like a. I don't know. It looks special. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like, like a whale or something. Yeah, like a like a dolphin, like Cro-Magnon, kind of like a yeah. beluga. Yeah, it's kind of goofy, <laughs> but it but it is. When you're on the plane, I have to say you don't really realize how big it is, because if you're on the upper deck, it's like you're on an A340 or a you know right. a smaller. Were you on the upper deck? Uh, I I well I've been on it a couple of times, um, but my one long haul was on the upper deck. Um, so you just feel like you're on a normal size airplane because you forget there's a whole nother deck. Right. <laughs> um, so it doesn't really, you know, it's not a huge impact until you're waiting for your bags and you see it, 10 million people there oh, too. Oh, God, yeah. But this is where my, my judgment gets clouded, right? Because <laughs> I, then I think about the economics of it and the airplane, like there's just very little demand for it. There aren't that many routes that need that kind of airplane. And that's why they've only sold a couple hundred, most of them to Emirates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of look at it and say, well, it's fine. I mean, I you know, it, it works. It got me there. But it's kind of a, a dud in a way, yeah. you know. I'm sad I missed a chance for the Concorde. I, I never... flew that. Did you? I did. And what was that like? Oh, God, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was the ultimate in Did you go to Paris trip. or did you go to... I went uh, London to New York. Oh, on nice. BA001. Three hours? Uh, three and a half, something like oh, that. Um, awesome. It was amazing. It, so this was... <clears throat> kind of toward the end. This was, uh, I think it was 2001 when I did it, if I remember right. No, no, you know what? It was, uh, yeah, when I flew it, it was uh, winter. It was like 2002, like December 2002. Okay. Post 9-11. Post 9-11. You know, it was on its last legs. It didn't, it didn't go for much longer. But um, toward the end, British Airways for employees of BA, they started having these kind of deals where you could have your friends and family 
um, that could take advantage of this. So I did um, business class from LA to London on a regular flight and then Concord back to JFK. In coach? Well, it's Concord. It's, oh, but I don't know. There's was, one class. There's on one Concord. class, okay. Yeah. And so that was... Um, can I ask uh, how much it was? Yeah, yeah. I think I want to say it was like fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. Just which, the one way? No, the from including the business class. Oh, I mean, it was well, a, that wasn't bad. It was a steal. Yeah, um, and I would have paid double that just to get on Concord before it was gone. But it was amazing. I mean, I, so you get to the airport, and the way it worked is you would go. It, they had the Concord lounge, right? The room, Concord room, and you would go in there, and they had food and whatever you wanted. You could dine before. You could, you know, relax, massage, whatever you want. And then you just boarded directly from the lounge onto the airplane. There was a jetway, right, jet bridge right in there. So you walk on, and the first thing when you walk on that airplane, the first thing you think is, holy shit, this is small. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It is tiny. Really? Oh, so tiny. Um, well, how many seats uh, across? Uh, two and two. Just two and two? Two and two. And they're not anything great. The seats were not very good. They were kind of like a domestic first-class seat. I mean, they were, you know. Okay, but it wasn't like you're on it for three and a half hours. Yeah. Okay. So who cares? It wasn't like the cushy lie flat bed, not you at know, all. thing. Like not at all. I mean, okay, legroom, but really, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty sparse for when you think of, you know, a fancy flight. Yeah. It really, was just kind of a seat. It wasn't anything great. And the, when you walk into the ceiling, is really low in the front of it, and it, it kind of gets a little bigger as you go back. But you have to duck when you're when you're getting <laughs> in, and I'm short. And uh, so that was the first impression. I was like, whoa, really? Okay, that's weird. Um, but then, you know, you, you get on the plane, you take your seat, and small windows. I mean, this was designed a long time ago. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and, you know, you just kind of go and you take off, and you're like, okay, this is all right. And, and then they, they fire the, uh, what do they call them? The reheats, like the, the afterburners. Oh, man. And then all of a sudden, you feel it kick in, and you're like, oh, my God. You're just <laughs> like, what just happened? But you, then, you feel your body just press up against the back of the yeah, seat? Yeah, when the reheats kicked in, you were like, whoa. <laughs> but the funny thing is, when you cross Mach 1, you know, when you cross the sound barrier, you there's nothing. You're just – there's like there was a little Mach meter on the front of the cabin on the bulkhead you could look at. Uh-huh. And it would slowly, you know, count up, and then you cross it, and there was nothing. So it's not like that's where they hit the reheats, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. to emphasize it. It's just you got there, and then it was like, oh, cool, we're <laughs> going fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, the service is nice. It's three and a half hours. They have, you know, caviar and fancy food and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, you go up really high. We were... I think we were maybe like 55,000 or something like wow. that. And you can see it's a lot bluer, darker blue. You know, you can kind of see the curvature a little, um, little certainly more so than that. And the coolest thing was I had a, a friend who's a pilot for United, and he was flying over the Atlantic that day. And uh, he told me, he said, oh, yeah, it was a rough ride. We felt bad for our passengers. We had to leave the seatbelt sign on the whole flight. And here we are at 55,000 feet, just <laughs> smooth as glass, like nothing, just not a bump. It was amazing. <laughs> and then we, you know, we landed at JFK, and that was it, huh? That was it. Got off the plane, just the glow of it all. It was, it was three and a half cool. hours. Gorgeous. Uh, it was unreal. It was unreal. I mean, I could takes longer to drive to Vegas. That's right. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. And, and you land before you left, right? Because of the time change. Oh yeah, yeah. So you leave, kind of like I don't remember. We left at what was it like? You leave at like 10.30 and you land at 9 or something like <laughs> We went that. back in time. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I, I mean, that 
to me was the true experience of awesomeness. You know? Did you grab some souvenirs? I heard that there's a lot of stuff to say like Concord on them. You get a little. Yeah. I mean, like they, a... they have bag tags and they have uh, you get a certificate. You could get signed by the captain and stuff like that. <laughs> so I, I think it was signed by the captain. I don't remember, but I have it. I have my certificate that I was on Concord and I, you know, you take a safety card here. Yeah. That just seemed like the ultimate of, of science, you know, and then that yeah. was going to be the future. Right. And then and we it totally stopped. fucked that up. <laughs> Nothing since then. Well, I guess it was just the fuel alone on that thing was really crazy, right? And, well, yeah. And it can only land in a certain, because of the sound and the... That's, yeah, I mean, fuel is one issue. You got to find a way to go faster without burning so much fuel. And then the sound barrier thing, I mean, you you know, they they couldn't run that airplane over land above sound. Like, b- yeah. back in the day, uh, Concord had to deal with Braniff. You ever, you oh, I remember Braniff. Yeah. Sure. That airline, after deregulation, their strategy was, let's do whatever the hell we want. And they flew everywhere and did stupid stuff. And then they were out of business in like a year. Yeah. But <laughs> um, but they had a deal with BA. Or was it Air France? I think it was BA. The, the plane would come to New York. They'd pick it, or Washington. And they'd pick it up and fly it down to Texas and back. Like as a Braniff flight. It was cool, right? But you couldn't exceed the sound barrier because the all the yeah all the noise and everything. So it was like... It was total novelty, massive <laughs> failure of a plan. So you had to fly it over water, but you know, science is getting, I mean, there are suppression technologies for the, you know, the, the boom and everything. And it's just not quite there yet. And people just aren't going to pay that premium on enough routes. I mean, look at Concorde. They're, they were 14 made and they flew primarily, you know, between Paris, London and, in New York, York, yeah. So there just aren't that many routes that people are willing to pay enough to make it worthwhile right yeah. now. It's sad. Ah, I wish I would have gotten on it, though. Yeah. yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. Well, finally, what is your uh, opinion on... I know you're not one of these mile hounds yeah. kind of guys. I mean, what's your opinion on frequent flyer programs and which ones do you think are the best? Well, so first of all, even though I'm mileage agnostic, I always <laughs> make sure to earn them because yeah. it's free. And there are guys out there that will say, these are horrible, you shouldn't participate. That's stupid. It's free. You just sign up and you get miles. And if you happen to get enough for a free ticket, woohoo. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's great. Um, but the program that's best, it depends. Like we, we help people with this with the concierge business. We help with award redemptions too. So like we have people that say, well, what do you think is best for me? It's, well, what do you want to get out of it? So for some people, you know, if you're in Dallas – and you care about the schedule more than anything. American. It's American. Yeah, it's their hub. And if and you know, you probably want to get elite status so you can get better seats and, you know, have someone fluff you and fly it or whatever <laughs> it is. So that kind of stuff probably matters more to you, right? But if you're more of a casual flyer and you really just say, Well, I want to get enough points so I can take my wife to Yeah, Hawaii you know, or Hawaii or Nice or whatever, <laughs> you know, somewhere fancy. Um, in business class and have some awesomeness, um, then it, you know you got to look at all right, which airlines are going to have the best redemption opportunities to where you're going. A lot of times it's United; they have uh, you know great partners, um, a lot of partners that you can burn miles on. So that's often a good one. Um, American would be better, except British Airways charges huge fuel surcharges. Yeah, yeah the Europe. I, I, you know what I learned with them when I last time I went to uh, London. Yeah, uh, I always tell people this now. If you're booking through American, try to get on the American flights and not the BA flights. Yeah, the only problem is then you're on an American flight. Then you're really, (laughs) yeah, but but then, but you're, I mean, you really, it limits you. 
you got to, I had to fly out of Miami. Yeah. And there was a lot more BA options flying, you know, to London. They got a couple to But London there was like there. one a day from Miami. On American. On American. But that flight cost $5 You're as right. opposed to 200 or for a more, BA flight yeah. or more for a BA flight. It's true. Now, the reality is, I mean, the onboard experience on BA is way better. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're in business class, there's no no contest. I mean, it's right. It's hugely different. But for some so you gotta, people, if it's worth that, you know, two hundred, three hundred dollar difference, you know, right. that's the, well, the other on thing, a quote unquote free flight. Right. Well, it, the other <laughs> thing about it too is it all depends on where you're coming from, right? I mean, if you are constantly flying in business class on fancy pants airlines, then you know it's going to make a difference. But if you're just a family that you always fly coach. You're going to get in that American business class. And oh, I think it's the greatest thing since yeah. sliced bread because you you haven't you haven't seen what's really better. I, I think about that. I remember the first time I ever got um, a flatbed. It was on BA from Newark to London. I was still working for an airline, and I was able to to hop on that flight. And I was like, "This is the most incredible thing." Yeah. I wanted to just play with everything and sit there. And now I get on, and I'm like, "Oh well, I don't know. It's a little hard or something." I'm like, "What a dick I am." <laughs> I know. Hey, yeah, it's horrible. I remember the first time I got upgraded to first class, and they don't do this anymore. It was the first time I came out to L.A. Mm-hmm. Me and a buddy, we went, uh, we really had our little coach seats, and then they uh, up, we went standby, uh-huh. and they got us on an earlier flight. They gave us the last two seats on the plane, oh, nice. which happened to be in first class, and they don't do that anymore and we, yeah, with our coach easily. tickets. And they're like, oh, we'll give you these last two seats, and we were in, and we thought... It was the most amazing right. thing. I mean, we're drinking free booze. And we're yeah. drinking, and they're like, "You want an ice cream sundae?" Yes, sure, I of do. Course we, <laughs> of right. course, we want it. What is this real silverware? Wow, <laughs> we couldn't believe it. It was, and then we were ruined. You know, we're like, "Oh, right. now you got to go back to coach." It kills you. That's what's funny. Like, you know, people always talk about the the old days. Oh, the golden days of travel, right? Do you know what the seats were like back then? They were shit. <laughs> right. They were. They were like. You know, business class was like, well, before they even had business class, I mean, first class, they were recliners, you know, they they didn't even really go, you didn't have a suite, you didn't have, you know, (laughs) crazy on-demand entertainment, you didn't didn't have Uh any of this stuff, like, maybe the service is better, probably, yes, the service service was was better. better. The service was bad. But you were in a suit and uh, smoke was filling the entire cabin. Oh, that too. Oh. You remember <laughs> yeah. getting stuck on that back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I remember ashtrays and the armrests and the oh, whole deal. I remember we'd be in like the last row of non-smoking. Like That's the most ridiculous yeah. row. Like, that invisible wall is going to stop. Yeah, the- <laughs> there's nothing non-smoking about that. You're just hacking the whole way home. So, yeah, I mean, service was better, but, man, there was a lot that was worse. <laughs> and it was a lot more expensive, too. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, for your final thoughts on the Cranky Flyer, if you if you could give um, advice to people uh, who are traveling, and, and what's the biggest, uh, what's the number one piece of advice you give to people? I will give you this answer. I'm not going to dance around this okay. one like I have on all these other ones. <laughs> the number one advice is patience. Bring your patience. It, it like... It can be frustrating. There are delays. Flights can cancel. Your seat can be changed. You're stuck next to like some Hulk next to you. There's a lot of <laughs> things that can go wrong, and it it's easy to get wound up. And things can seem a lot worse than they are. Um, but you know, if you bring your patience with you, if you just kind of remind yourself, like, okay, I'll get there. It's not the end of the world. Some, you know, it'll, I'll get there. Um, it just helps to kind of change your perspective and just relax a little bit. Things do suck. Things go wrong. It is terrible. Um, but if you're patient, if you bring your patience and you step back and think about it, it can suck a lot less. And that's always my number one piece of advice is just 
relax. And sign up for Cranky Concierge. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's crankyflyer.com. F-L-I-E-R. Yeah. That's right. That's the blog. Okay. And I uh, post there usually kind of three in-depth posts a week. And then I have a couple other uh, you know, topic of the week and just summaries of elsewhere I may have written during the week. And then crankyconcierge.com is the concierge business where we do flight monitoring, flight planning, all that kind of stuff. Starts at starts at 15 bucks each way on a domestic flight. So it's... Uh, Pretty cheap. Awesome, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming, man. It was it was great to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me here to the uh, this comfy chair, man. <laughs> you want to take that with you? Go ahead. I know. I need to get. This is going to be on my airline when I create it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> All right, Brett Snyder, everybody, the cranky flyer. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you.